guys, welcome back. Hello, hello, it's good to have you here. I'm Jojo Fraser and you are here for a Mojo Injection, episode 46. Delighted. What are we going to do? We're going to focus on the self-development because we know the more we grow as people, the happier, healthier we are, the more opportunities come our way. So it's a no-brainer. So I want to hook you up with lots of motivation this week, lots of Mojo Injections. And I'm going to do that with my guest, Kat Trubilko, who I met at the Women of Inspiration 2019 Awards when we were both lucky enough to be honoured with an award. And Kat's an amazing person. Um, She is a master practitioner in NLP programming. Um, We've spoken about that a lot on this podcast and the impact that has. She stepped back from a career in banking. She talks very openly about this today. Um, to combine her passion of helping others and she loves the outdoors Um, we know that outdoors is so good for us and she invested her skills um, as one of just a few women in Scotland who are mountain leaders she's led expeditions to the Arctic she's the only female leader on the trip most recently she led a solo expedition of 14 to the Everest base camp Now, I know some people have been tuning in here during treks, so that's amazing. Um, So Kat really, oh goodness, just the discussion we have today is just so inspirational. If you are wanting to follow your dreams and you're not sure if you are, this episode is for you. So Reach the Peak um, would combine executive and career coaching with the great outdoors. I really like the thought of that, transformational trekking. Um, and she just clearly loves what she does and she helps other amazing people find their path, what the path that they should be on, be it business or their personal. Um, and it's really important that we continue to build each other up and it's amazing to have Kat here this week. So thank you for tuning in guys. Thank you for coming back. Enjoy this conversation. I hope you've had a great holiday. If you've not been on holiday, I hope you're doing well. If you're not, well done on um, clicking onto this for a little bit of inspiration um, because that's what we're here for. We're here to help you. Okay, I think we are good to go. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. We met at the awards night. Both yeah. won an award. Well done. Thank you. Well done to you too. Woman oh, of inspiration. I know, I know. And I've been reading all about you and I've introduced you and um, the work you do. It's, it's amazing. It's really inspirational. So well done. Thank you. Um, I want to start with your um, career in the kind of corporate world mm-hmm. um, and how you got into following your passion and taking that risk. Um, so did you enjoy your career in the corporate world? I enjoyed bits of it, I think. I found the work quite interesting. So I used to um, work in kind of leadership development um, in a large bank. And I used to do um, kind of running graduate schemes, designing their development program. So I enjoyed the actual topic of what I was working on. Mm -hmm. But I think it got to the point where when you're 
good at something in an organisation like that, they seem to just keep piling work, more and more work onto you until you break, which is kind of where I got to. So although the work itself was really interesting, it got to the point where I could either do about half of my job and do it really well, or I could try and do all of my job and just be doing a kind of rubbish job at everything because you're just having to put in the bare minimum into everything. And for me, that, that wasn't very satisfying. So although the work was interesting, I think the environment... And um, particularly after the, I joined just after the banking crash um, oh, yeah. in 2008, but that seemed to you know follow on for a good period of years after that of redundancies and that kind of stuff. So I think it was just a stressful place. It was like time, wasn't it? Yeah. Thinking back, I remember it being like the credit crunch. I'm fed up of hearing about it. It's a bit like Brexit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> said the B word. Don't hate me, guys. Um, so did you hit burnout or were, did you get out before that came? So I would say I did. I probably didn't appreciate it at the time. I went through a period of about six months um, just being very stressed. Um, probably about two months where I cried every day at work. Wow. And it's that kind of Sunday night pit of dread in your stomach at the thought of having to go into work the next day. And then the Friday afternoon, like, way it's the weekend, I'm escaping. <laughs> and so... Yeah, at the time, I probably didn't appreciate quite how bad it got. But afterwards, I probably took a good six months as I was starting my own business. But it started very slowly because there was a lot of just sitting on the sofa and kind of recovering. Wow, that's Um, powerful. And it's so common, which is a scary thing. So it's important to talk about it so that people, you know, chatting to therapists and stuff. And they say, don't wait till you're hitting breaking point to get help, to speak to someone, to get some advice, to even start by sharing with a friend or someone you trust. I'm struggling, actually. I'm crying or I'm struggling to sleep. Or, I mean, did you have, apart from the crying in work, did you have symptoms like you were struggling to sleep at night or you just felt like a kind of unsettled feeling? Yeah, it was just, yeah, very kind of like internal conflict, just knowing I wasn't happy but just feeling totally stuck where I was like not really knowing what I could do instead or what I would do instead and particularly in corporate organizations like that I think I called it like a golden handcuffs Mm -hmm. you got a really good salary you're getting a bonus every year you've got your car allowance you've got your private medical insurance you've got your half a percent mortgage because you work for a bank and you're just like I I actually you know there's that feeling of I can't do without it and actually I know now like you definitely can (laughs) I don't earn as much as I used to but I'm so much happier that that just doesn't matter. But it's that kind of feeling of being trapped that you kind of can't do without all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, That's powerful. Yeah. So there is a way out. Are you still still able to go on holidays? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I still have some very nice holidays. Just back from Gran Canaria, so a bit of sunshine. Amazing. Great. That's that's it's funny when I think about that. I think what would I miss the most? And the first thing is holidays. powerful stuff so what did you just take the plunge or what was the process so there was a few things that happened um they opened up a voluntary redundancy register which I when I initially signed up to it I'm like well I know and I'm happy I'm not really sure what I do let's sign up to it Uh about probably would have been about four months later I found out I hadn't been accepted for redundancy and just that feeling of oh my god I can't leave kind of made me just go well hang on if I feel like that then I just need to get the hell out of here whether they're going to pay me to leave or not really that that my reaction to finding out I wasn't going 
made me realize I needed to go so that was kind of the first step I'd also signed up to do my NLP uh, practitioner so coaching qualification when I signed up to it it was initially just through like an interest in personal development and I never thought I would use it as being a coach but as you're learning to coach other people you're also going through your own journey because you kind of practice on each other in the course so you're getting some really good quality coaching as well as learning how to do it Mm -hmm. and through that process it just made me realize you know why I was so unhappy at the bank um all the kind of conflict and values that was going on in terms of what I was being asked to do and I wasn't feeling like I was making a difference or achieving anything all of things that are really important to me and then it, that going through that coaching process then helped me work out, okay, so what would I do instead? What are the things I'm really passionate about? Mm-hmm. Nature, mountains, helping people. And is there a way I can build them into a business? And then actually I ended up with a coaching qualification that was a way of helping people yeah. and something I could take out into nature and, and do. So that's, that's how I ended up doing what I do now. That's amazing. Because they see, and it should be obvious, but I wish when we were younger they, they said that to you. Think of... I guess, do you really know when you're younger? I mean, thinking back, I probably, I've always written and I've always liked performing and entertaining and things like that. But, you know, if they were to say to you at an age, right, what, what are you really, really passionate about? And how can you think about doing that? Whereas uh, thinking back to when I was at school and stuff, they were like, no, you've got to do this career and this will be really good. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm th- so often people end up doing jobs. So when you're at school, there's kind of the jobs that your parents do, you know kind of roughly what they do. And then you know about things like teachers and policemen and doctors and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's so many jobs out there or career pathways or businesses you could run that you just have no idea about as a young person because you don't interact with them yeah. and you don't learn about it. And I think when I was at school, I don't know if it's changed now, but the careers service, for me at least, never really mentioned that you could run your own business. Mm -hmm. It was about getting a job that suited you, not creating your own job that suited you. And it was like sending you down pathways. And I was very academic at school, so it was always going to be that I went to university. That was kind of the route I was encouraged down. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I loved uni and it worked out well for me, but there was never any other options discussed. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, interesting that the, the way we choose what we do is based on, well, that job's going to pay me the best, or this is what my parents want me to do, yeah. or this is what my teachers have recommended, or I'm really good at this subject, so I should do something around this subject, when actually, do I actually enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it as a job. You need yeah. to be good at it and enjoy it I think and so often we're encouraged to go down lines that maybe isn't something that That sets our soul on fire (laughs) yeah and it's funny because when you are doing something that you love something changes internally um it's hard to explain I don't know if you've got words for it from your experience or how you would describe that feeling it's interesting because I see it in my clients they often come to me one of the main things I coach around is people in career transition whether that's being made redundant or wanting to start their own business or they've kind of going down a, a choice if I could do this or I could do that and I can tell by talking to people 
almost which one, which is the thing that really sets them alight. You can see it in the way that they talk about it. And it's, it's, it's where the magic happens, really. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can see the kind of passion. They'll start getting really animated. They'll talk about it with this real, like, oh, just it just makes me feel so free or magic or I feel like I'm flying was a phrase I had uh, yesterday when I was coaching someone. Oh. And you can just, you can see it in people, but they're often, it's almost they're too scared to go there because it's something that means so much to them it's almost like oh but if I try it and I fail that's going to be really hard to take or they start thinking oh, well, the more sensible the financially sensible option is to do this or you know my partner thinks that I should do this instead or there's all these other society pressures around what what's sensible and you know realistically you do need to put a roof over your head and that kind of stuff as well but yeah. if you can do that I think you're more likely to do it if you're doing something that you're really, really passionate about, because it's that passion that drives you through the harder days and the boring admin paperwork and all the stuff that comes yeah. with any business. If you're really passionate about what you do, then you can kind of move through that yeah, because you can, you can, can see what you're trying to achieve. I love that. So it's funny because I, I said, and there's a line in my book, oh, you can see it in their eyes. And I was yeah. like, oh, it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Like mm-hmm. our eyes do show a lot, but I like what you say there about expression. So and when I'm up giving chats, I was doing a filming thing the other week and for the speaker agency I'm with, and uh, the guy was like, are you going to be moving around a lot? And I was like, I'm talking about mental health, I'm passionate. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I just can't keep still. But yeah, I like that. So you start to get a bit of a spring in your step yeah when you can see it because I do walking coaching we're actually out walking and often you can see the pace of the walk gets quicker when people are fired up about something and then when there's something they're not so bothered about the pace will slow down again and it's just really interesting and I all I do is just reflect it back to them it's not for me to say what's the right choice for them but I can just kind of reflect it back so it was interesting whenever you talk about this you speed up you get really enthusiastic and this like passion of light shines out of you and you can quite literally see it it's like a flower blossoming or something so you're just helping them to know helping them to find or or to be um for it to for clarity i guess Mm -hmm. for it to come up stuff to come up yeah great i love it yeah it's cool it must be such a rewarding job yeah it really is um particularly when you get people sort of come back six months or a year later going I've done all of these things and now this is the next bit that I need help on or even I just encourage clients to keep in contact because I love hearing stories of they've done this or they've done that or they started in this route which is where they thought they wanted to go and then all these other opportunities came out and it's gone somewhere they didn't expect but somewhere even more awesome than the kind of initial direction they set off in. That's amazing because you don't really know what's going to happen but I would say passion and hard work mixed together Quite a, quite a good cocktail, isn't it? Yeah, and I think like you don't need to know what the final answer is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I coached somebody, she used to work, she called it the dungeon. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like an underground office in a restaurant and she did all the kind of background stock taking and that kind of p- paperwork side. Uh-huh. Um, she's actually a very creative person, very artistic, very art kind of creative and mental health focused as well actually and she's like I want to work in the art world but it's going to be so hard to make a living being an artist so it was just kind of encouraging her well all the time you're in that dungeon like it's sucking the life out of your soul it drains all of your energy and all of your creativity if you can even just take something that's one step closer to where you want to be you know I don't know, work in an art gallery or sell paintbrushes in a shop or you know, something that is just even that step closer to creativity and an artist 
you know that kind of connection with other artists yeah. then other opportunities might start to come from that because you a you're more energized because you're in an environment that that connects with who you are uh-huh. but you're also then opening up opportunities connecting with the right people uh-huh. and something will grow from that so you don't need to know the final answer yeah when you set off on the journey just that. just having a general idea of what you might want the destination to be is useful but yeah. even just getting out of the place that is bad and then yeah. finding somewhere to go once you're out of it I, I, I um, heard something and it was like, don't focus too much on the journey, focus on walking through it each day and, and seeing where it takes you. And a sort of entrepreneurial thing as well, you never, you're going to have rejections, you're going to have knockbacks, you, it's a rocky road, it's, um, you know, it's a risky road, it can be scary, it can be lonely, it can be exciting, it can be all these things. And it's just that... Um, ability to bash on and just go okay right that didn't work on to the next thing but how do we build resilience so that we can bash on yeah I think so often people again they think it's an all or nothing Mm -hmm. like oh I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna be really successful I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna fail miserably yeah well actually even on the ones that feel like failure you're going to learn something from them mm-hmm. um, it might be that you learn not to do that again <laughs> it might be that next time you're going to do it slightly differently or you're going to connect or collaborate with someone else on it yeah. um, it's a bit like well I use metaphors all the time when I'm out walking but if you were walking somewhere and you took a wrong turning mm-hmm. then just turn around and come back to where you were or take another path that's going to get you back on the right track it's not like you take a wrong turning and then go okay well this is me for the rest of time I'm going to sit at the end of this path going oh my god I don't know where I am like do something different Um, and it's there's always going to be another way and sometimes that wrong turning might take you somewhere truly spectacular that you didn't expect Um, so it's never going wrong is never a bad thing as long as you take some learning from it Great, I'm feeling inspired. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about pathways and I'm thinking about how we know if we're on the wrong path. Like just say, for example, you've got a few clients and you're enjoying it or you're, you know, there's things going on, but you're not 100% sure or you maybe you should go a different direction or maybe you should cut one of those clients or cut a collaboration or whatever mm-hmm. how do we know when we're in tune with what's the right thing to do for me it all comes down to personal values okay. so a lot of the work I do with clients is around understanding your personal values mm-hmm. so unconsciously you already know what they are for you your personal values drive your every single decision you've ever made from the really big things like where you live who you choose to share your life with, whether you have children or not, your career, but also everyday decisions like what are you going to eat for breakfast? Do you want something yummy and naughty or do you want something healthy or slimming? Or, you know, your personal values, they're all value words that come in. So they'll, they drive your every decision making. Most often they're held at an unconscious level. We don't think about those things every day. It just kind of happens. Uh-huh. By becoming consciously aware of them, it helps you kind of work actually what am I trying to get out of in life and normally there's one or two kind of really big ticket values that we're working towards things like peace Mm. happiness contentment success achievement these kind of big big words Um, and people are kind of aiming towards those things but there'll be a number of there's like a hierarchy of values that sit underneath them when we're doing things that aren't 
that don't fit with those personal values, mm-hmm. that's when it feels kind of clunky or uncomfortable or that kind of that feeling of internal conflict of something's not quite right here. Something, you know, it's almost rubbing up against one of my values. Uh, so just trying to identify, well, what is that value that it's rubbing up against? Is it something around integrity or ethics? Or is it just, you know, is it not who I am and, and what I want to be? Is it not making me happy or contented? Okay. Um, and that can help just by becoming aware of what our values are and which value is it that's not being met here. Uh-huh. Is it that I just need to do something different or have a conversation with, if you're collaborating with someone or working with a client, do I need to have a conversation just to find out what what's going on? Is there something I can change or is it actually something that I need to step away from because that value is too important to me to, to compromise on it? Uh-huh, powerful. Um, so just say you want, you're going for the naughty breakfast but you want to be healthier is that your val? is it your value to go for the naughty one or how would that work so it's often it's in the moment what's most important to you and there might be some days where you'll choose the healthy one and that fits in with a long-term goal and there might be other days where you want to have the chocolate muffin because in that moment you just want to feel naughty or comfort eating and those kind of things so it's then looking at other ways well how can I so for the healthy eating example, how can I fulfill that value of feeling a little bit naughty mm-hmm. while also achieving that longer term goal? So is there something I can do, I don't know, scribble on the walls with a crayon or, you know, <laughs> is there something else I can do that doesn't compromise my longer term goal of being healthy? Um you know, just something else naughty, I don't know, run around the garden naked or something. I don't know what it would be, but it's finding another way to meet that need of that value of naughtiness. Ah, so is naughtiness a value? It could be for some people. Oh, I love that. And does this come from childhood? So is that a kind of rebellion or...? Yeah, I mean, our, our values are formed throughout the early period of our life based on our personal experiences, the, the values of the people around you. So a lot of your values will be similar to your parents and siblings, mm-hmm. but there might also be values often when we see something we really don't like in somebody or we have an experience that we don't like, it yeah. can form a strong value in the opposite. So if you've been badly betrayed, then you might end up with a strong value for honesty or trust or something like that just because of the experience you've been through. Okay. Um, all those experiences in the moment can dial up or dial down how important certain values are ah so just say someone grows up just like their parents but they don't feel like they have the same values if you know what I mean like how do we know what's within us like and what's learned does that make sense so you know you see people and they're like I don't want to be like my mum and dad but perhaps they've picked up these values mm-hmm. but they don't that's not really who they are Where's the balance? Yeah, so some of those it will be more on a behavioural level. So you mm-hmm. might have a, a value that is the same or is different from your parents, but the way you're meeting it on a behavioural level doesn't quite fit. Okay. Um, so it's almost taking the behaviour, saying, well, I'm trying to get to this value of, we'll take naughtiness as an example, but actually the behaviours I'm doing don't fit with some of my other values of following rules or <laughs> whatever. So it's, yeah, it's kind of working out, is there a different way I can do my behaviours to meet this value and you'll you'll know in yourself if you're trying to live up to a value that isn't yours uh-huh. if it's a value that has been almost put upon you by parents yeah. um then it will feel uncomfortable when you're trying to meet that value something about it just won't feel right it's hard to put words onto it but it is this feeling of just 
uncomfortableness it's almost like squirming away from it kind of feeling okay um and you might not always know again consciously what it is but just spending a bit of time exploring that of actually what's going on here what values am I trying to meet yes I love it this has got me thinking so should we focus on a couple of values um to to or how many do, do you think we need to be aware of to have a happy life and to keep moving forward well, that's a tricky question. I think any any time you spend exploring it will be useful, whether you come out with two or three values or a hundred values. I mean, there's different coaching exercises I've done at different um, over different periods of time that can just be exploring sort of four or five yeah. or writing a whole A3 sheet. And you will have hundreds and hundreds of values. Yeah. Some will be the same in every part of your life, so in your sort of work life, your family life, your you know, health and fitness life, well, you'll have some values that are the same between those areas. There oh. might be other values actually that are quite different between areas. So in your work life, for example, you might like to be quite in control and in charge, but say in your family life, actually you might just prefer it if someone else just takes charge of everything okay. or, you know, the other way around. But sometimes our values will be the same in every area and sometimes mm-hmm. there'll be differences in, in different contexts, if you like. So mm-hmm. it's usually worth exploring in a specific context what what are my values that are going on here and as I say they are organized in a hierarchy so there'll be some kind of everyday values that drive everyday decisions Mm -hmm. and they'll kind of work up in a in a hierarchy your top level values these really really big ticket items (laughs) like peace happiness contentment uh, love can be a, a big value mm-hmm. um, they'll tend to be the same across all, all parts of your life and it's almost like everything that you're aiming to get towards will take you to that place so having an understanding of what they are yeah. almost whichever context you end up exploring it in you'll end up at these same top values anyway I love um, that how do we know uh, for example you spoke about control now just see someone in their life they're all about the control in their work and in their home, and in their whatever, all the other cat, your health and stuff, um, your money. If control's high, mm-hmm. and perhaps it's unhealthy to, to want that amount of control, how do we notice that and try and change it? Like if the balance is wrong and there's too much one way. So often when the balance is wrong, again, that's where conflict can come in. So that might show through conflict with somebody else. So if you're trying to be too controlling of a partner, for example, Uh then that will create conflict. And it's almost worth looking at your own values, but then also looking at the values of your partner and just working out actually where where are we conflicting? Is it coming down to control? Uh And again, it's then back to how else can I fulfill that need Mm -hmm. for control while still also maintaining a a healthy relationship with my partner. Mm -hmm. There are exercises in coaching that you can do that can sort of move values up or down in their importance in your hierarchy Uh if it's kind of um, ecological to change it. There would be some kind of conversation to check that actually if we do move this down, how might that impact the rest of your life and Uh are you okay with that impact? Mm -hmm. Um, But there are kind of exercises that you can do. yeah, and sometimes it's, um, as I say, that values can be made more important. So say if you have been 
for an example, in an abusive relationship where you haven't had any control, Mm -hmm. suddenly control becomes even more important to you. So it might then flip itself that if you get out of that relationship, you actually then control becomes so important because you haven't had it Uh that it almost overemphasizes itself. So it's getting back to that that point of balance Ah, um so for me money money is not something that's particularly important to me overall but after I left the bank and left my steady income (laughs) and then also split up with a partner who was paying half of my mortgage and the bills money suddenly became a huge amount more important to me um just because of the lack of it and that can be the same with any values if you have a lack of love for example that need for love can suddenly become really really strong whereas otherwise it might just be something that's ticking along in the background okay that's powerful so they can change all the time and i guess in the work you do do you help people move from that fear state where they've got too much of something like too much need for love or too much need for control of money or things like that yeah often it's just about helping people find the balance and knowing for themselves what is an acceptable level you know yeah how much love do you need for it to be okay and it's almost having that conversation to help them understand for themselves where's that need coming from is there something I can do Mm -hmm. because again in coaching you you can't change anybody else all you can do is change yourself Uh through changing yourself you may well influence the way other people interact with you but you can't directly say well I want them to change coach me to help me change them that's not gonna work yeah um that's hard people only change if they really want to don't mm-hmm. they and um I think for you if people come to you they're open to changing perhaps their partners aren't but <laughs> do you do any couples stuff or um I have done so not couple not like therapy for couples but I have worked with couples who are working towards a a joint goal so for example I worked with a couple who had been to really tragic experience they'd lost their son who's about 21 years old in a I think it was a motorbike or oh. a car accident really heartbreaking um but as part of that they'd sort of been through the initial grieving process and were looking at how could they together honor his memory for for the kind of rest of their lives they were into retirement kind of stage mm-hmm. what could they do to honor his memory and you know not let this really horrific experience actually ruin the rest of their lives as well as his life having ended it's almost like it could have ended their lives Mm -hmm. through it but it was how can we make this into a positive is there something we can do to to honor his life so that was something they were working through together as a couple so yeah kind of coach them together on that yeah i think that's got to be one of the hardest things isn't it um yeah and yeah i think i would be calling up a coach straight away help yeah. me um so that's a, that must be so rewarding to be able to have an impact there because it, it must be really hard as well to see that yeah I mean, actually I found them really inspiring to yeah. work with although it you know when you read it on paper you're like gosh this is going to be a really hard session actually mm-hmm. their approach to life their mm-hmm. almost love for life given mm-hmm. what they've been through mm-hmm. and their it's a shame sometimes how people just generally as a population we have to go through something really difficult Mm -hmm. to almost make us want to live life more. You often see it with people that have been through things like cancer Mm -hmm. or a really traumatic um, sort of breakup or some kind of incident that has been quite traumatic. Actually, it can impact the rest of their life in a really positive way because they want to take each moment 
and make the most of it. Oh, it's so true. I mean, it was seeing my dad so sick was an inspiration for me to say, right, I need to. It was the whole inspiration and motivation behind Mm. what I'm doing now. Um, And it was the hardest thing I've been through in my life to date to see that. I mean, he's great at the moment, um, thankfully, but. yeah uh, and look you know i've met so many people since you know when you start raising awareness and people sharing their stories and how you know things have changed and it seems to be you know these really negative experiences that teach us so much and Mm. and make us really appreciate life um my brother challenged me he's he's a writer and uh in his spare time and uh, my older brother, and uh, he was like, you know, this is when we learn, you can't have any regrets, and, you know, we have to go through suffering, and, mm. you know, it's quite interesting. I think, yeah, and it's it's hard when you're in that moment, if someone's having a really tough time, to be like, oh, don't worry, in a few years' time, you'll look back on it and be <laughs> appreciative for this time and how much you've learned. And actually, that is often the case, that you do have your greatest learnings. It can really impact and change your life for the better even though it's really really tough at, in, in that moment it's almost a shame that we have to go through those experiences to make us want want to change things to yeah. be more impactful or to make a difference or to be who we truly are whatever it is I know I but it does seem to be a pattern it really does but you know life's not meant to be easy so we see yeah um it's a miracle um, what I've been thinking about this week is, you know, the miracle of life. And when I saw Bonnie and Charlie, I had horrendous births and uh, babies just didn't want to come out. <laughs> but um, there's that moment when they're writing down the time and like they make such a fuss, like someone's into the world. And I was thinking of my mum. And you just think, you know, how much of a miracle we all are, every mm. single one of us, you know. And um, uh, yeah, there's so much um self-doubt and people not following their dreams or or not having enough compassion for Mm. themselves Mm. makes me sad because we're all amazing like i genuinely believe we are all capable of amazing things and that that can be completely different to different you know um and to have a huge impact Mm. And uh, I just, yeah, I was just sort of thinking about that this week, actually. So it must be really nice for you to be able to bring out that in people. Yeah, and I would say that is one of the commonest themes I see. And I coach people from all backgrounds. I've coached teenagers trying to work out what they want to do right the way through to directors, CEOs, really high status, you know, powerful people. Mm -hmm. The common thread is this kind of lack of self-worth self-confidence even in people where you're like well they've totally got it together like what what have they got to be unconfident about but actually when you dig down into it a lot of it it comes from this kind of yeah not appreciating ourselves enough and it is so important and that's what I try and bring out again in a lot of my coaching sessions is just connecting people with who they really are and what's important to them Mm -hmm. and also then connecting them with their inner confidence to go and do what they were meant to be doing or born to be doing or however you want to describe it yeah it's connecting people with that feeling of it's possible I can do it and I'm worth it yeah so what advice would you give to people tuning in who are struggling with the inner critic and struggling with self-confidence 
The inner critic's an interesting one. I think we we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to another human being, even our worst enemy, but like best friends and stuff, we'd never be like, you're totally rubbish at this, you're totally awful, you're doing a completely crap job, What you know, you're just not worth it. We'd never say that to another human being, yeah. ever. And yet we talk to ourselves like that all of the time. So I think sometimes it is just a case of telling that voice to shut up. (laughs) Pipe down. And, you know, encouraging you to talk to yourself as you would to a friend. It's almost Mm -hmm. having that kindness and compassion towards yourself. And it's easier said than done. But it's almost just catching that pattern Uh when you're mid-sentence of telling yourself you're rubbish at something. Actually, let's turn it around. Is, Is there a positive I can see out of this? Is there a learning I can take from it? Um, that doesn't mean I'm a total failure, but it's just mean I'm learning along the way. One of the NLP um, sayings, if you like, so the school of coaching that I come from has these set of, of sayings. One of them is there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. So each time you feel like you're not doing very well at something, actually just look at it slightly differently. Okay, this isn't going quite as planned. What feedback, what learning can I take from this? Um, I love that. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so true, isn't it? It's mm. so true. And, and feedback, just, yeah, take from it and move on. I mean, how in your own life do you use cause you, um, NLP? Have you, have, you had, have you got stories of how you've used it? Or do you use it on a daily basis? Yeah, pretty much on a daily basis. It's the kind of thing that the more of it you do, the more it just becomes ingrained in who you are. Uh-huh. So a lot of it is about, um, well, the linguistic side of it, I guess, the neuro-linguistic programming. Then linguistics comes both with how you talk to other people, but also how you talk to yourself. So if you say something like, oh, I'm trying to be more healthy, mm-hmm. you've almost inbuilt an expectation of failure. Well, I'm only trying, you know, whereas if you say I am being more healthy, uh-huh. just something about that statement makes you feel more committed to it. And it okay. takes away that inbuilt expectation of failure. So a lot of it, well, I'll just catch myself saying things to myself or other people, well, I'll, I'll change the phrasing of what I'm doing to communicate better with myself and with others. So on a daily basis, yes, I use it. And then there's all sorts of tools um, and models that come from the School of NLP that I will use if I'm planning a new project or doing a collaboration with someone. It can be a way of sorting out our ideas into a kind of structure and, and seeing where they're aligned and where they're not and checking we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. I use it for writing website content and leaflets and that kind of stuff just kind of a way of phrasing it that appeals to people and captures the event for in in the essence of what it is if you like so there's so many different ways you can use it um so yeah there'll be some things I will quite consciously say right I'm going to sit down and do some NLP on myself now and there'll be just other times where it just kind of happens and it's just kind of ingrained in me yeah I love it I find I've just put a blog out about mindfulness practice and I think that's helped me have more compassion and speak to myself in a more Mm -hmm. positive way like I am going to do this and you because it's a lot of something I always say is judge less live more love more and this Mm. judgment because when we're judging people all the time we're prolonging the suffering because we're actually suffering ourselves, holding on to this, like looking for the bad in people. Yeah. And uh, that came up a lot in mindfulness. So there's perhaps a kind of overlap there with the self-compassion and, and the judgment. And do you, do you talk about judgment in NLP or is it? Um, yeah, a little bit, I guess we'll touch on it in terms of often um, if you notice things in other people, it's actually a reflection of what's going on 
for yourself. So mm-hmm. if you're judging other people for a number of different things, it's because you're unhappy with those things in yourself. Uh-huh. Um, so another way of looking at it is if you're constantly finding yourself criticizing other people, it's just asking yourself, okay, so how is that? true for me as well mm. and again just some feedback and learning for yourself well actually if if someone else is doing something that I'm critical of mm. what learning can I take of that to to change the way that I do that thing and it might not be on the same scale or in even in the same topic but in some way the fact you can even recognize it in someone else must mean you have that capability inside you to do that same thing oh. otherwise you wouldn't even be able to see it <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's just turning it again back on yourself Interesting. You know, someone I was judged recently, but not in a really nasty way. It was more of a bit banter. But my friend said to me, she said, "Oh, you're so indecisive." And she was getting annoyed with me. She was like, "Do you want to stay or go?" And I was sort of lying on this lounge chair. I was like, "To be honest, I'm quite chilled. Like either way, like mm. go now if you want, but I'm quite <laughs> happy to stay. We'll make a decision. Why are you being so indecisive?" And I was like, "I genuinely couldn't decide what I wanted to do. Mm. I was like, I will be happy either way." But then I was thinking, oh, should I just make a decision? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the right or wrong answer? Mm. And often, so often, uh, another one of the NLP sayings is um, there's a positive intention behind every behavior. Mm-hmm. So often, even if the behavior itself is quite irritating, there's an intention, normally a value that you're trying to, to work towards that sits behind it. Uh-huh. So even people that do you know horrible, horrific things, murderers, rapists, that kind of stuff, although we absolutely don't agree with the behavior of what they're doing there's some value behind it a positive intent not for the person that they're doing it to but for themselves it might be something like power or control or um you know feeling like a big person or whatever it is and although we don't agree with the behavior you can almost have some affiliation with the intent you know Uh I like to feel powerful at times I like to feel like I'm in control so although it's almost the behavior is distinct from the person Mm -hmm. what's the value behind it that they're trying to meet so it's often useful again if you're in an argument with a friend or something it's looking actually what what's the behavior that they're doing Mm -hmm. what's the positive intent behind the thing I'm being critical of or judging Uh and can I appreciate that positive intent even if I don't agree with how it's manifesting itself in the behaviours, yeah. can I at least appreciate what they're trying to do for themselves? Yeah, interesting. I like that. And that, that certainly helps because conflict is just... I don't like conflict. It's that balance as well between... You don't want to be a pushover, mm-hmm. but I, I like to avoid arguments at times. It's sort of picking your battles, isn't it? Yeah, and it, that's probably about personal boundaries and being really clear. What are my boundaries? Mm-hmm. Which ones am I willing to compromise on and which ones am I absolutely not? And yeah, from that basis, picking your battles. Otherwise, you could spend all day, every day, just picking arguments with oh, your family, your children. I know, <laughs> I know. And that's just exhausting, right? Yeah. You know, I just want to turn up the music and dance and we'll be, we'll be singing shortly. <laughs> um, so this is really interesting, actually. But I, I want to just speak about nature as well. So you mm. do a lot of stuff outside. Do you do the coaching as you're walking or do you do a mix? Bit of both. So, yeah, most of the coaching that I do is in the outdoors. Some of it will be walking along and there's something about, A, being side by side with people. When you're looking people in the eye, you kind of you're watching for people's reaction to what you're saying and then you tailor what you say next based on their little facial expressions that are going, oh yeah, no, I really agree with that. Or, oh really, did she just say that? Mm, not quite sure. And so you end up tailoring what you say. So it's not always a truly 
honest mm-hmm. account of what you want to talk about. Yeah. Something about being side by side. It's the same in the car. If you're driving along with someone, actually, you can have some really good conversations in the car because uh-huh. you've not got that eye to eye contact. Right. So I think that's part of it. Uh, part of it is just this feeling of forward momentum. It's mm-hmm. quite metaphorical, particularly when you're working through a problem or an issue that you mm-hmm. need to move forwards from. Uh-huh. That feeling of forwards movement and ending up somewhere completely different where you started is, is very metaphorical. Uh-huh. And then there's something about the nature itself, being outdoors, um, being away from all the daily distractions of emails and mobile phones and technology and family and whatever else. It's just giving yourself some time and space, almost back to your caveman instincts of connecting with the landscape that you're in yeah. and that the nature and, um, yeah, sort of grounding you and who you are and what's really important to you can often help people connect on quite a different level with what they're working through. And there's something about just being able to see a big view. <coughs> Sweet. Bless you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in an office or a cafe or a house, you're you're almost penned in by four walls. Yeah. Um, and that can sometimes constrict your thinking because you actually just can't see very far because mm-hmm. there's walls around you. Yeah. Whereas when you're out and you can see a big view, it almost encourages you to think bigger. I love you that. can see further to the horizon. Mm-hmm. It just it expands your brain, it expands your thinking. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things I think can just come together. Being in nature, forward momentum, mm-hmm. bit of coaching works really well. I love it. I love being in water as well. I mean, while swimming, I'm getting into, but I do find it tricky because it's cold with the chest. But yeah, I love being in water, especially in holiday. You know, mm. the pools are warm, uh, and you can look up at the sky. Mm. I just find that real, or in the sea on holiday when it's warm, and you can, yeah, I think that for me is probably one of my happiest places. But I do love walking and climbing and stuff as well. But I'm just a bit of a wuss sometimes. What's the scariest walk you've ever done? Because you've been to Everest Space Camp. Went to Everest. I guided an expedition to Everest Space Camp. And actual walking-wise isn't very scary. I had a few clients with altitude issues and a couple of helicopter uh, evacuations, which as a leader was a little bit scary. (laughs) Um, Just, I mean, altitude can be deadly quite quickly. (laughs) So you're just there kind of hoping it doesn't escalate to that point. Yes. but also an interesting challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, a lot of it is about mindset as well. Yeah, and I just think... So do you try and get out every day, even if you're not working? Like, do you have a place where you go? Or... Um, so I'm often, I am often out working, and that kind of fulfills that tick in the box out in nature for me. Uh, there's a little hill just out the back of my house. I can do like an hour's loop there, which I sometimes do if I need fresh air. Mm. I do also like my sofa with a cup of tea and a blanket though I I like being outdoors I do also like being indoors curled up like some kind of hibernating animal as well I'm all about the balance (laughs) I am fluffy blanket mad yeah oh just cozy hoochie how do you pronounce it hoochie hickey Oh, no, I I asked, because uh, I've, I've got hoogie, asked a Danish person at the um, my book launch how to pronounce it. I'm sure she said hoogie. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, um, oh, it's amazing. You've inspired me to go walk. Although I did get up <laughs> early this morning. It was a nightmare that woke me, but I got out of bed and I went for a swim, looked up at the sky and all the problems just seem so insignificant, mm. don't they? It's just... And sometimes it can just be something like walking to a meeting instead of getting the bus, walking yeah. to the shop instead of taking the car. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always have to be a big walk in nature. Just getting yeah. outside yeah. can be good for you. 
Yeah, it's so important. And try mm. and leave the phone at home. Although, thank you to all the trekkers and people that have um, told me you tune into the podcast. <laughs> it's really nice to hear. And I'm sure you've loved this episode. I've loved every second. I have taken some notes in my head and on the pad. So um, thank you so much. Thank it's you very much for having me. been amazing. And um, what's your song and why? Uh, so the song I picked is a song called Walking on Sunshine oh, <laughs> by Katrina and the Waves. Ah. It fits in, yeah, <laughs> fits in with the walking theme. Oh. Uh, it's a beautiful sunny day here today. Yeah. So uh, it's the, when you asked me this morning, what's your favourite song? I'm like, I've got loads, but this is the one that's jumping out at me Glad today. You picked and... it. I'm feeling, I'm looking forward to singing this with you now <laughs> and just having a little dance and happy days thank you so much you've been brilliant um loads of food for thought guys please give some stars she's totally nailed this and um <laughs> yep you're a star thank you thank you let's do this I used to think maybe you love me, now baby I'm sure. Yes, go girl. And I just can't wait till the day when you knock on my door. Now every time I go for the mailbox, gotta hold myself down. There she goes, deal with it. Cause I just can't wait till you write me a coming around Oh yeah I'm walking on sunshine Whoa I'm walking on sunshine Whoa I'm walking on sunshine Whoa It's time to feel good I used to think, baby, you love me, now I know that it's true, yeah, 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 I just want to spend my whole life just waiting for you, because it's not my value, <laughs> now I don't want to be back for the weekend, not back for a day, no, no, no.